This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised. But it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Amanda, Jane's life coach. And welcome to the Jane and Amanda Show. Where we focus on mental health and healing. Welcome to Invisible Tears. I'm Jane, host of Invisible Tears. And I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Jane. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. We got a new office. We do. And I'm super excited about that. We do. We're actually recording in our new office. It feels so good in here, doesn't it? It does. Oh, it it's exploded with inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll make we'll make sure and share some visuals with you guys. But yes, it has exploded yeah. with inspiration. It's also combined with my wellness practice too. So yes. the energy feels fantastic in here. Yep. And it's so beautiful. It is light and yeah, just like welcoming. Yes, very welcoming. It feels great in here. It does. We're awesome. We did such a good job. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Yes, we did. It feels so comfortable. It does. I feel like this is the perfect place for us and is exactly what we needed. Yep. I think so too. Yep. Absolutely. So a few minutes ago, Amanda was sharing with me that she too has experienced some kind of trauma in her life. Mm-hmm. And she had brought up a disorder. Yep. Would you call it a disorder? Yeah. So um, I actually have body dysmorphia and it's not well known. A lot of people don't know about this disorder, but it is a mental illness. Um, it stems most often from some sort of trauma 
Um, it's closely related with anxiety, can be closely related with PTSD, um, and closely related with um, OCD and eating disorders as well. And when I was, when I was younger, um, I also had eating disorders. I was both anorexic and bulimic from the times when I was about 11 through 14 years old. Um, so, so yes, it's, it's not a well-known fact at all, but I do suffer from body dysmorphia. Now, I haven't been clinically diagnosed with body dysmorphia, but based off of everything that I have researched, I actually have severe body dysmorphia. Um, so if you guys are wondering what that is, somebody with body dysmorphia, they really pay specific attention to their appearance. Um, and they find that they have negative thoughts about their body. Um, and now what I'm describing may just sound like, you know, a pretty standard person being critical of themselves. I think everybody can look at themselves and see things that nobody else can see. Right. Now is now you're looking at yourself. Now you're not looking at how you dress or how your makeup is put on right. or anything like that. You're looking physically at yourself, your skin, your, yep. your facial features, your body, yep. that, that kind of stuff. Yep. It is only related to my actual physical features. It, exactly like you just said, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with makeup. It doesn't have anything to do with my clothes. What happens is it is an actual problem with the way that the neurons are processing in my brain to actually tell myself that I'm seeing something different. And Again, you know, sometimes people, when they talk about body dysmorphia, they're like, oh, well, just stop being so critical, you know, or everybody looks in the mirror and they see something that they, you know, that they don't like something that somebody else, you know, may not see because they're they're being critical. And I understand that that happens with everybody. That's something that is really specific to people's self-confidence. But people with body dysmorphia, it, it goes steps further. And there are actual different levels, too, of the degree of severity that people have. Um, when it comes to body dysmorphia, it is the actual ability to not see in a reflection what is actually there as it pertains to yourself. And I was talking with Jane just before we started recording. So I'll share with all of you on my bad days. I can't look in a mirror because I physically get sick. I throw up and that's a problem. Yes, that is. That is a big problem. Um, God, I have so many questions. So it is quite similar to anorexia Mm -hmm. because when people that have anorexia look in the mirror, they see themselves Mm -hmm. a lot heavier than what they actually are. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's very, very closely linked and, and quite often many people that have anorexia, it is because they have body dysmorphia. So body dysmorphia. So they're, they're related. Yep. Yep. Absolutely related. So some people that have been, um, diagnosed with anorexia Mm -hmm. also could be misdiagnosed with body dysmorphia. Yes. Yep. That could actually be the result. So there's lots of ways that somebody can actually have body dysmorphia. And it's interesting because again, I think it's good that we're actually talking about this because it is related to, you know, trauma and it is a mental health issue. I don't think that it's really well recognized or well known any of the statistics about this, but even people, as you're sitting here and you're listening to some of the information that we're making sure and putting out there, if you're feeling like this actually relates to you, reach out, reach out to a professional and specifically probably somebody that really specializes either in body dysmorphia or eating disorders or 
someone who's certified in cognitive behavior therapy, um, because that is really one of the most effective ways that you can cope with uh, body dysmorphia. It's really not something that ever goes away. It doesn't. It's like PTSD. It never goes away. But if you go and get help and seek counseling, you can find tools. Yes to use to to help with this yep Um, yeah I think one of the biggest and it sounds so simple I think one of the biggest tools I have found so far for myself especially now that I've realized that there's an actual term for this is I recognize the bad days and for the people that are describe the bad days what do you mean by like you know the bad days before Mm -hmm. you even look in the mirror Actually, I don't know the bad day until I look in the mirror. Okay. Yep. So what I see in the mirror, and I'm not talking about, you know, I just got up and, you know, I have bed hair and I haven't showered or something. You know what I mean? Bags under the eyes. Exactly. I mean, all, all of us have that. I mean, that's whatever. I will know whether it's a bad day or not. When I first, like most people, when I first get up in the morning, I head to the bathroom, right? And you're naturally looking in the mirrors, you're washing your hands and, and, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I will know what type of day it is that first look in the mirror. Now, how does that, how does that affect you mentally for the rest of the day? Does it make you depressed? Mm -hmm. Does it like just, it just makes you down. You're just down for the day. Yep. And what I've started doing is so... So, right. So when I, when I first look in the mirror and I, and I recognize whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day, obviously good days, that's fantastic. I'm feeling great. I'm my, I'm my normal self, you know, I'm, I'm productive. I'm in a great mood. Um, I'm, it makes it a little bit challenging as I see clients as well, right? The good days as, as opposed to the bad days on a bad day. What I do is I take a mental note and I sit there with it. And I really just give myself a little bit of time to sort of like process and understand that, okay, I'm not having a good day. So (laughs) with that being said, I'm going to try my hardest to really not pay attention to the mirror today. I'm going to make sure and voice to the people that are closest to me, mainly that's my husband, um, cut what he has to deal with, with this body dysmorphia is a whole nother story, (laughs) but, um, I'll make sure and voice to him, sometimes even my daughter too, just so they understand like my frame of mind and my mood and stuff like that. And I will simply just voice to them, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad self-esteem and body image day, just so you're aware. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You didn't do anything wrong. And clearing that air and setting that tone really helps them to understand, oh, okay, she, she is just having a bad day. And what they naturally do for me, which does help me and doesn't make me have a horrible day, is they naturally come back with, oh, they're going to be a little bit softer when they're talking with me, when they're dealing with me. They might throw in a couple of extra compliments in there yeah. that they might not have before. And that helps. It helps the process. Hmm. How um, often does this happen? I would probably say that I have bad days at least once a week. That often? Yep. Yeah. And sometimes the bad days, and this really sucks too, sometimes the bad days go on for more than one consecutive day. Hmm. 
So I've known you for two years and didn't know anything yeah. about <laughs> Didn't know this at all. Amanda, it's, not not none of it. You hide it. Yes. Now, <laughs> what did I do for 20 years? Exactly. What yep. did I do for 20 years? You hid it. Yes. I hid my feelings and I hid my bad days. Exactly. Yep. And now, now what's great about it, to be honest with you, I think the reason over the course of the past few years of why I've really started researching and realizing that there's an actual diagnosis for what I'm going through is out of watching you so transparently talk about what's going on with you and your symptoms of PTSD. And I mean, literally just even a few episodes ago, I mean, we were, we were talking about how you were in a slump, you know what I mean? And what you were doing and what you were, how you were reverting and how you, you were just sort of like pushing people away and that sort of thing. So listening to you talk about what you're dealing with has helped me be more open and honest about what I'm dealing with. Wow. You inspire me. Aww. <laughs> you, you, right now you're inspiring me. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've never heard. Mm-hmm. of this before yeah until you brought it up yeah. um i think it's really under talked about and underdiagnosed. To be i was just gonna say that mm-hmm. i think it it definitely is um undiagnosed and untalked about it, it, it needs to um it should be talked about more because i'm sure um there may be one or two people out there listening right now saying oh my god right. yeah exactly um, yeah i'm feeling like okay i, I feel like this this is a very real thing. It's not all in my mind. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the biggest thing is I don't, don't let people give you feedback about, Oh, you're just being over, you're just being overcritical or you're just being, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you're just being super critical of yourself. Exactly. Or whatever. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, uh, as I, looked up some articles to make sure and get you guys a whole bunch of really good information and we'll make sure and put those articles in our episode description as we always do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Some of the statistics that I was looking at, I was like, Oh, this is so way underdiagnosed in the Cleveland clinic article, um, that I pulled up about body dysmorphia. It says experts estimate that body dysmorphia disorder affects about 2.4% of adults in the U S overall. It affects about 2.5% of women and people assigned female at birth and about 2.2% of men. Um, men too, men too. When you think about it, it makes sense. It does. I mean, it's pretty common. Uh, another topic that I think that we should probably delve a little bit more into in a further episode and maybe even get Drew in here too um, to make sure and talk about it is I think society is getting better about understanding that people need to talk when something's wrong. But generally speaking, can men really talk about how they're feeling with their self-esteem no. and how they're feeling about with their, even their, you know, with their mental state or with their, you know, actual physical appearance? Yeah. I'm like, like Andrew said a few times, mm-hmm. it's almost like, um, emasculating them. Yep. Um, if they, if they open up and talk about stuff like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's good to know that, I mean, this, obviously this, this affects both men and women. Obviously I'm just giving a firsthand account from what, you know, I have experienced. Um, so it's also, um, it's usual for symptoms of, uh, BDD or body dysmorphia disorder to form around 12 or 13 years old. Wow. That's so young. It is. But when you think about it, when you think about, um, what's actually forming in your brain at that time, it's a very formative age and 12 or 13 years old is typically when the eating disorders come out. When the, you know, if you have anxiety, when anxiety starts really rearing its ugly head, um, it's, it's very now, see, I years. would have taken that as um, the girls' bodies are starting to change and mm-hmm. hormones and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that yep. is starting to to develop and and um, yep. I mean, it, it's almost like the perfect storm, right? Yeah. So you're going through, you know, twelve, thirteen. You're pretty much probably in the midst of, you know, going through puberty, exactly like you were talking about for for male or female, right? Your bodies are starting to change hormones are going nuts. I mean, your bodies are starting to change. And most often that's when you're hitting pretty big growth spurts as well. That's true. You know, that's yeah. awkward stages, but also mentally it's, it's a very formative, um, it's, it's a very formative age range. Yeah. So that was a statistic in here that, um, I thought was, uh, was pretty interesting. So I wonder if they get diagnosed at a much younger age, like that, the teen age, mm-hmm. If they get diagnosed then, then they can receive the counseling that they need. Right. They're less likely to um, develop a lot of the symptoms later on. I think so. And at least, like I said, it's it's something that really doesn't go away. You just sort of have to make space with it and live it. So it's really mm-hmm. all about understanding how you are functioning in your life and how to make sure that you are still living a full normal, healthy Mm -hmm. life, um, while you're just, so it's really all about coping and it's really all about your coping mechanisms. Now, is there medication for this? There is. So as we start talking about, you know, how it's treated, um, so there is no cure. Um, but like we said, it is, it is treatable. So like with many, uh, mental health conditions, it often involves a combination of different approaches. So psychotherapy, um, is one of the most recommended, you know, making sure that you are seeking help from a professional who really treats utilizing, again, cognitive behavior therapy or family therapy as well. I mean, if it's um, all depending on your age, say you, you know, have a child that you think may be experiencing this. So the psychotherapy focus on the talking about what you feel or experience and helping you develop the beneficial thought process and other coping strategies since it really doesn't go away, but typical medications for it are antidepressants. So, so you're basically the, the medication is basically treating the symptoms. Exactly. Like yep. anxiety and depression yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. So with the antidepressants, what an antidepressant actually does, it's a serotonin uptake inhibitor. So it really helps adjust those chemical levels in your brain. And th- so that is exactly what the medication for uh, body dysmorphia is actually doing. It's helping to adjust those serotonin levels. So like you said, you're really treating the symptoms of it. 
not actually treating the disorder itself. Exactly. I think treating the disorder itself is really a matter of remapping the way your brain processes information, which is super hard, right? Yeah. Which is really hard. It's not impossible, but it's hard. Um, it's definitely a hard process. So with you, so you wake up in the morning and you know right off if you're going to have a bad day. Yep. So say you wake up and you're having a good day. Mm-hmm. During the day, would it revert back to a bad day? Most often not, unless something severe, like something really messed up happened that sort of pushed on my self-esteem. It's so closely linked to like self-worth and Mm self-esteem. So most often when I wake up, it's a good day or it's a bad day. And if it's a good day, then it continues to the, for the most part, you know, be a, be a good day. I'm happy. I'm normal. Now, do you know what, what may trigger these bad days or is it just wait, you just wake up and it's a bad day and there's really no triggers to it. Yeah. It just is there. Unfortunately, it really is just, I, I haven't been able to put any sort of rhyme or reason to it. Which sucks, right? Yeah. Which sucks. You don't know, you know, when, when you wake up in the morning, you don't know whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day, you know, mentally. And then you sort of have to adjust your day based off of, you know, whatever's going on to just make sure that you're, you're okay. Do you think stress may have anything to do with it? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yep. Stress, a lot going on, having to juggle a lot. Um, I mean a result of my, as I think about it and as I really go into and further analyze myself a little bit more, my body dysmorphia has caused really, really bad relationships in my life. And, or I should say probably the development of the relationship, but also the relationship choices as well. So somebody with body dysmorphia Um, because of their bad days can be so self-conscious and have such low self-esteem that they don't understand how they are worth any relationship, any love, any compassion, anything like that. And so once I learned that there was an actual disorder and there was an actual name to this, I started looking back throughout all of my past relationships and I was like, wow, wow. Answered a lot of questions. It really did. It really did. And, um, bless my husband because he is so extremely supportive and for him to not really understand or know what, dealt with for so long he handles it like a pro he really does it baffles him right you ask my husband and of course you know he may be biased obviously he married me but he's like you're beautiful you and are and thank you. <laughs> you're so sweet <laughs> thank you Jane but yeah no he he doesn't get it and he was like and he tells me all the time he was like you're not just physically beautiful though he was like you are like a beautiful person you have a beautiful soul you do good things and it's funny because he's like i hear you and you're like a broken record with like your daughter he was like you've always taught her that that is the source of beauty and it's not physical and and i always made sure to do that with her just in case she developed anything because some of these pieces can be hereditary too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that was going to be my next question. Yep. 
So I've always tried to make sure and instill a little bit more of making sure that she understands that beauty comes from, I mean, my daughter's gorgeous. Uh, she is, she is. Um, <laughs> she, and she always has been. So I've made sure to instill in her from a very young age that while she's going to, she constantly heard it her entire life. Um, she's one of the most down to earth and modest people ever. Um, I think, and it's because I always made sure and instill in her beauty comes from within. It's about the type of person that you are, you know, it's about, you know, how you live your life. That is beauty. Um, so because of what I'm dealing with, that's why I actually approached that with her. Um, so it's really confusing to Drew as he sits there and he's like, I listen to you. He's like, you're saying all the right things to her, you know, yeah. and instilling that and trying to prevent that for, you know, possibly that happening with her as she gets older. He was like, but you can't apply it to yourself. Exactly. That's true. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I do my best. All I can think of is that, you know, I am, I am a cognitive behavior therapy practitioner. Yes. Um, through, um, through my wellness practice. It's one of the tools that I use because, you know, I help people with trauma. Um, so I know what steps to take to help myself, but sometimes even the best, practitioner or doctor or whatever your field is sometimes even the best they need an outside person to help them yeah. you know yeah we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. And now back to our episode. Let's talk a little bit more about some more of the symptoms that yeah. people may see. Now, um, if it starts as a teenager... Mm-hmm. Or they could, you know, it could start as young as, what, 12, 10, 12? Yep. Now, do they sometimes become cutters? Uh, yes. Yep. So, an interesting, so let's actually go back to, because again, one of these articles that I actually referenced, um, it was pretty eye-opening. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, so, basically. Yep, because what do they call that? Not cutters, but. Self-harm. Self-harm. Yep. So body dysmorphic disorder is a condition that comes with a really high risk of self-harming and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So obviously, if you are having these thoughts harming yourself or having thoughts of harming others, or you suspect somebody is harming themselves or having suicidal thoughts, whether it's related to, honestly, whether it's related to body dysmorphia or not, please make sure that you call 988, right? The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, because of the belief and because of what people see when they're dealing with this disorder, it can make them so depressed that it sends them down that, you know, self-harming, depressed route. Possible suicide. Yep. Yep. I think that's a good, um, something good for parents to look out for. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you notice some of this, these symptoms with your child, um, I would dig into it a little bit more to see 
maybe it's not just depression or right. or anything like that. Maybe mm-hmm. it is. Um, yep, absolutely. This disorder because it's so closely linked again with so many other, um, so many other. It disorders. is. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's it's so closely linked with PTSD and mm-hmm. anorexia and bulimia and um, all that. Yeah, I mean. Anxiety disorders, depression, eating disorders, OCD too. Oh, OCD. Yep. Obsessive compulsive disorders and substance use disorder. I mean, obviously people, people trying to medicate, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Self-medicating. Yep. But yes. So some of the, some of the symptoms, spending excessive amounts of time thinking about at least one thing about your body that you think is a flaw or a defect, even though others say it isn't significant or they don't notice at all. Or like my husband likes to say, you're crazy. Um, of course he says it in the most respectful and loving way, but, um, but yeah. So focusing on at least one thing, like obsessively. Do you focus on just one thing when you look in the mirror or is it all your whole face and, and all? So with me, it all depends. Most of the time, um, when I wake up in the mornings and, you know, I have that first look in the mirror and I can tell it's a good day or a bad day. Most of the time that first look is actually, you know, like just like a headshot. And I can actually tell based off of what I see in the mirror. It literally is not me. It literally looks like someone else, Um, which is kind of scary when you think about it. Absolutely. Yep. So most of the time that is like the signal like the signifier for me is the, what the reflection actually looks like, um, when I'm looking in the mirror, but throughout the, you know, based off of whatever's happening, especially if I end up seeing like a full length mirror or whatever, I can obsessively think about exactly like how fat I look, how, you know, like, so how, it's not just the facial features, yep. it's your whole body it's as my a whole body. Yep. Like your hands or yep. anything like that. Yep. Any one part of my body. So any part of my body, any part of my skin, any part of my hair. Yeah. It can be, I mean, you name it. Hmm. Yeah. It sucks. It does because I can't imagine, um, looking at myself and seeing something completely different than what everybody else sees. Yeah. That's, that's gotta play a major mind game. Yeah. On yourself. And it's hard for people to understand and it's really hard to explain it to people. Yeah. So I'm just lucky and thankful that the people that are, you know, closest to me and are, that are around me, you know, on a daily basis, while they may not completely understand because it's not happening to them, they're at least supportive and they understand like, it's, it's not that I want attention. It's not that I'm doing this because, mm. you know, I need an extra cuddle or I need an extra compliment. You know what I mean? All it, you it have is, to do is ask for that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, and to be honest with you, I mean, I get, I, I, without prompting, I mean, I get compliments daily and I inter, I give compliments daily too. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not that I'm seeking attention. I, I, unfortunately I can't, I can't help what my brain is doing that day to actually give me the outputs of what I'm seeing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Next symptom. So let's see. Next symptom. Uh, feeling compelled to repeatedly look at or check your appearance using a mirror or any sort of reflective surface like a window or asking others for feedback. But on the other hand, some people may actively avoid being in photos. Oh, 
that's a big one for me. Avoid being in photos or seeing their reflection to avoid the distress they feel seeing their own appearance. And again, if you experience it to a severe degree, um, it actually physically makes you ill. Changing your appearance frequently. So, you know, tanning, changing your lifestyle, changing your clothes and stuff like that to try and actually, again, make yourself feel better um, based off of what you're seeing um, in the mirror. Frequently taking selfies. I can't say that I do this, but frequently taking selfies or photos of yourself um, that you take on your smartphone to check your appearance using apps or photo filters to hide or change things that you don't like about your appearance. Feeling fear or anxiety because you think others are staring at you, judging or making fun of the things you don't like about your body. Feeling paranoia. Yep, Um, because of the things you don't like about your body or appearance. Sometimes people experience panic attacks when looking at things they don't like about their bodies in a mirror or reflective surfaces. Actual panic attacks from your reflection. Um, Feeling shame or guilt. Um, or disgust about your body or appearance, especially the specific thing that you think are the problems. Some of the most common words people use uh, to describe themselves or parts of their body include ugly, hideous, deformed, abnormal, defective, or unattractive. Compulsive grooming behaviors that become harmful, such as like plucking or pulling hairs, um, or picking at your skin um, to a really to the point where you actually like break the skin, right? Um, these are separate mental health conditions that are distinct from body dysmorphia, but they do have different treatment approaches um, for some of those conditions, like the compulsive um, conditions. Yeah, that sounded more like OCD or. Yep, it, the stem of it is OCD. So yep, so it would be actually different um, different medication um, for the OCD portion of it. Avoiding situations where people might notice the things you don't like about yourself. This can disrupt your work or school activities or cause you to avoid social gatherings. Um, Repeated medical procedures such such as cosmetic surgery to try and fix things that you don't like about your appearance or thoughts of self-harm or suicide because of your appearance. So those are a lot. That sounds like half of Hollywood. It does. (laughs) I know. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That would be interesting to, if we could find a famous person from Hollywood or whatever right. that that can right. openly admit that they, they have, have this disorder. Yep, they have body dysmorphia. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, and obviously this is literally just a, a possibility, I would say, um, and only because of what was observed, but possibly Michael Jackson yeah, um, exactly. might be... A, pretty good and extreme example. I mean, yeah. when you look at, you know, what he underwent and what he actually did he to himself. He changed his appearance several mm-hmm. times. Yep. It wasn't just once. It was right. several times. Yeah. That may very well have actually been um, an example of a famous person that did suffer. And who knows if they, they knew that they did or not. Again, I think so many, so many people um, do suffer from this disorder, but it, just because it's in different varying degrees and maybe it's actually masked as something else um, or termed as something else. But um, I think it's a lot more common than people think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds it. One of the things that keep coming to my mind is um, the teenagers nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, I go to the school to pick up my granddaughter or 
um, I did a um, trunk or treat up at the school this this past year, and I noticed a lot of the younger generation coloring their hair, mm-hmm. um, putting a ton of makeup on, right? Um, just uh, piercings and mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and I, I kind of wonder if that could be all related to this yeah. um, this disorder. Because they're just trying to change the way they look because it's... Right. Hmm. Very well could be. I mean, this could cover so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So so many... Oh, dis- yeah. So many... Yep. Um, symptoms and... Well, this is so... I'm, I'm intrigued by this. It's so <laughs> educational because I, I think... Um, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, I think... I think I have a friend that has this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and I think um, I have a relative that may have this because I can remember growing up and hearing certain things that she has said over the years. And, mm-hmm. and I know she had a rough life and, yeah. and had some trauma in her life. And, and I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Another interesting thing. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, think, that most, I think that most cases um, definitely do stem from some sort of trauma. So some other causes of like body dysmorphia, um, one of the causes can be genetics. You're much more likely between three and eight times more to develop body dysmorphia disorder if a first degree relative, meaning a child or a biological parent or a biological sibling, has it. Hmm. So again, interesting, interesting how some things can be passed through genetics. People with body dysmorphia disorder often have brain areas that are too active or work differently than expected. So those differences make it hard to control thoughts and actions related to the condition. So having an overactive brain. To me, that's almost like a chemical imbalance. Right. Yep, exactly. And I mean, to be honest with you, because the chemical imbalance actually changes what you see, it makes sense that it is a chemical imbalance. Cultural influences in popular media. Different cultures have different standards of beauty and appearance. Popular media, culture, or a combination of the two can definitely influence body dysmorphia disorder and affect your thoughts or behaviors. And then obviously, um, another thing that was noted too is a history of childhood abuse, neglect, or bullying. A history of adverse childhood experiences means you're more likely to develop body dysmorphia disorder or even a history of being bullied or teased can also increase your risk of developing it. Bullying. Yeah. Boy. Just think about how much bullying plays on your self-esteem. Absolutely. You know, how much bullying can just destroy you and just completely take away any sort of, you know, self-confidence that you have, um, make you feel so alone. Yeah. Isolated. Yeah. Yeah. It can play horrible horrible mind games with you yeah i wish these i wish people would realize these kids in school would realize what bullying does Mm -hmm. to another person it's just uh the mental aspect of it is is just horrible i know it's mentally destroys somebody i mean with bullying the impacts that people literally it it follows people through their lives yeah it does yes it does 
So if you suspect, if you're listening to this episode and you suspect that a loved one has body dysmorphia, the best things that you can do for someone that does have body dysmorphia is first, I mean, encourage them to seek help. Some people worry, you know, about the stigma about having a mental health condition, but it's actually, it's very common. (laughs) I mean, between anxiety, between depression, between, you know, um, it's actually, it's actually more common than not, um, people having different mental health conditions. Make sure you talk with them positively and openly about mental, um, about mental health care, um, to reduce like the stigma, like make sure that, you know, they understand that it's okay. It might make it easier for them to go uh, talk to a mental health provider. Also, make sure that you're listening. Um, If somebody with body dysmorphia opens up to you and tries to talk to you about their feelings and and what they believe about their bodies, they're probably really scared and really vulnerable about doing that. Uh, They may have spent their entire lives hiding it from everyone. So you just listening can show them that they're not alone and that someone actually cares. Um, again, it's not them fishing for compliments or fishing for attention. Um, it's really just all about them understanding that they're not alone. Don't dismiss their concerns. Um, don't tell somebody with body dysmorphia that there's nothing wrong with their body. <laughs> uh, this may seem helpful, but it can actually cause them to feel like they can't talk to you uh, because you're not understanding actually what they're saying. And just try not to judge or argue. Uh, with them. It, it's funny because I, because I've said, you know, how my husband deals with me. I mean, it, it really confuses him, but it's not like he dismisses what I'm saying or judges or argues with me at all. It's, I can tell it's coming from a place where he's, he's so confused because he doesn't understand because he doesn't actually see what I see. But now that he understands that we see something different, it's more of a, Oh, it's yes, I'm listening. Yes. I'm supportive. Okay. You're having a bad day. I'm going to make sure that maybe I'm going to do a couple of other nice things that are just going to, you know, make you feel good or a couple of sweet little things, you know, um, thoughtful things and just make sure you have a better day. You have such a wonderful husband. I do. You do. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. I know how lucky I am. Did you have any other questions about body dysmorphia? Not right at this moment, but um, thank you so much for sharing that. You're most Um, welcome. Sharing with us. Um, What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I am actually, so like I said at the beginning of the episode, I haven't actually been clinically diagnosed uh, with body dysmorphia, but now that I've done all of the research and I really understand how severe it is, I'm going to seek out a cognitive behavior therapist um, and start going and speaking with someone because while obviously, like I said, I'm trained in it too, and I've developed my own coping um, techniques, I'm not going to deny the fact that possibly I do need to be on medication uh, because of how severe it is, or I'm not going to deny the fact that maybe they have other great coping techniques that I can do. Um, that can help me. So exactly, because some some coping some tools will help somebody else, but not so much help you. But yeah. then there's tools out there that will help you, right? Even though they don't help other people. Exactly. It's a it's an individual. Um, it's an individual thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It is. It all depends on the person. You're going to talk about this more. I am. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm going to keep on and, talking uh, about this more. And to be honest with you, actually, in, in a future episode, I would love to actually have our girls on too. 
um, if they're if they're willing to come on to just sort of talk about you know self esteem and self image and and really sort of um, lay it out for them and and so because I know that each one of them. Um, deals with something in their own right. Yeah. Um, so I think it would help them to hear me publicly talk about how much I struggle so then they could understand, oh, I'm not alone. And I mean, honestly, for, for everyone that's listening to, you probably have a struggle as well. Yeah. You know, you're not alone. No, you're not alone. Well, thank you, Amanda, for sharing. Um, thank you, Jane. That meant a lot to me. Yeah, I guess my big thing is I hid so much for 20 years. You hit this very well yeah. for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully us talking about our traumas and our own bad experiences and um, what we're diagnosed or, or self-diagnosed with, mm-hmm. hopefully this will help help people out there. Exactly. And let them know they're not alone. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. The links for our products can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.